1: welcome to another edition of Homeschooling Helps.
0: I am Andrea Schwartz. And I'm Nancy Wilk. Today we're going to talk about life and death on God's terms. The Sixth Commandment tells us, do not kill. Andrea, take it away.
1: Okay. So most everybody, when they hear that commandment, will say, well, sure, you know, don't murder someone. But I would present the idea that there are lots of ways to kill people. You can kill them physically, you can kill them spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, nutritionally. There, there are lots of ways. Some are more immediate than others, but the prohibition is against killing. And by correlation, we can say the Bible gives us the jurisdictions to various institutions, the family, the church, the state, various associations, and their boundaries. God's law are boundaries. If we stay within those boundaries, then we can consider ourselves righteous and faithful. If we go outside those boundaries, then we have a problem. So the reason I entitle this today, Life and Death on God's Terms, it means that we either find the justification for our actions and our decisions in the word of God, and not our own autonomous self. And if we do that, then we're going to be, if we're autonomous, we're gonna move outside the protection of God's law and not find the blessings that are attendant with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, In autonomous meaning, I decide for myself what's right or wrong. Right, that is the sin of Adam
1: and Eve. They decided for themselves what was right and wrong. I mean, God gave them a pretty wide berth. You can do whatever, But the day you disobey me, eat of that fruit, is the day you'll surely die. So guess what? Right at the beginning, the consequence for disobedience was death because they were to live on God's terms, not their own. That's why life and death must be viewed through the lens of scripture. And we don't get to make it up as we go along.
0: God tells us that that, um, God gives us life. God takes life. He decides what's right or wrong. He decides the boundaries for um, righteous living and the boundaries for, for, um, for death. When we cross that boundary, we're in the death zone, if you will. So, so this command to um, not to kill is given to the family. So what are some of the ways as a family, like I haven't, I haven't, you know, taken a gun and shot anybody. So how might, as a family, we be um, killing each other or ourselves and not recognize this, uh, the the, um, comprehensive sense in which God is offering us life? All right. So anybody with children knows that the sinful
1: nature of children manifests itself. The sinful sure. natures of husbands and wives, mothers and fathers manifest themselves. We may be redeemed by God, but our sinful nature isn't fully eradicated this side of heaven. So part of the reason that in the Lord's Prayer we're to forgive trespasses is because in a family situation, count on it, they're going to be trespasses.
0: Indeed. So
1: how does nine-year-old brother deal with five-year-old sister when she does something he doesn't like? Well, if he decides that what he's going to do is punch her because he's bigger or stronger, he's violating the commandment thou shalt not kill. Now, some people go, well, hold on there. He's not killing her. He's not killing her now, but he could if he got angry and he acted on his anger and he picked up a uh, paperweight and it happened to be a very heavy one and he hits her in the head, she could die. So mm-hmm. think lead up to violation of the commandment not to kill. So for a parent, this is the perfect opportunity to discuss with children God's commandment not to do it. And, And if you in fact hurt somebody that she got seriously injured or she died, you wouldn't be without responsibility just because you're nine years old. The Bible knows No place for saying, well, we won't hold children responsible for what they do. The Bible expects parents to teach their children right and wrong and not say, well, they won't really understand it till they're 10 or 11.
0: Right. Right. So one of the things when I'm teaching the um, Ten Commandments to my grandchildren now, We say that the sixth commandment is not to kill. And we say that means we protect life. I had opportunity to share this with um, some little friends of ours. And um, later on that day, um, they were playing with blocks and they were stacking up their blocks, the little red triangle blocks, and they made them into a pile. And they said that was their fire. And they said, oh, look, Nana, they made a little stack of other blocks around the um, red triangle ones and said, look, we're um, obeying God's sixth commandment. We are not killing. We are protecting life. You see these blocks keep people away from the fire. So in their little play, once they understand it, they're able to practice it and demonstrate it even in their play and understanding that the fence, we, we live on a, um, a railroad track. And one of the things that we did when we moved into this building, first thing, was we put up um, a fence and a deck railing to protect ourselves, our children, our visitors from the railroad track. We actually had people say, why did you do that? You needed some other things first.
1: Correct. Well, it looks like I uh, lost Nancy there. Hopefully I will get her back. Oh, there she is. Let me get her back up here. Whoops. Okay. Sometimes we have technical difficulties. And so, okay, you're back, Nancy. We lost you there for a second, but you're back. All right. So you're bringing up a very important point. Since God's law is given to us so that we may please him, we have to think of the implications. And so that fence, um, that's actually a law in the Old Testament that Um, you have to put what I think they called it a parapet around your roof. It was not uncommon in those days that people would go up to the roof to cool off or whatever when it was really hot, but you had to build a fence around it. The same application is if you have a swimming pool and you put a boundary around it, the idea is to protect and preserve life. Well, early on, once you teach children that they're not free to just injure others You also have to teach them it's not appropriate or godly to injure themselves. So now we're into the whole realm of talking to your children about how suicide is just as much an offense against God as murder. And Mm it's not unusual in our day that there are lots of teen suicides. Well, part of that comes from the fact that parents are sending their children to places that are going to tell them that God's law doesn't apply because they're not allowed to talk about it. So anybody, and I've said this before, who puts their children in a system of education, that's not going to acknowledge God and not going to follow his commandments, I would say are in violation of this commandment, not to kill. Because you could be killing, you could be leading someone to an idea that spiritually and physically, et cetera, they don't have to pay attention to God's rules. And so if you remember what we said last week, for parents to expect children to honor them, they themselves must be honorable.
0: Right.
1: I'll give you an example. I had two daughters who used to play competitive golf. And in any kind of competition, of course, people want to win. Well, in golf, it's very easy to hit a bad shot. As a matter of fact, anybody who's ever played golf will say it's much easier to hit a bad shot than a good shot. Well, these girls got pretty good at what they were doing, that they were probably better than 99% of anybody, any woman anyway, who plays golf, right? Maybe men too. And when they would hit a bad shot, sometimes they would hit themselves really hard or slam their club into their foot and because of the way things worked, I was always pretty much watching them in competition. And I made it very clear to them, if I saw outbursts of anger like this, and they were slamming things on themselves or possibly could affect others, I was gonna go right up and pull them out of that tournament. And they were like, oh yeah. And I've come, one time my daughter did something like that and she saw me coming and she was like, no, 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 I get it, I get it. And she, she worked okay. it out. The point being is if we get used to injuring ourselves because we're angry or upset or lonely or disappointed, whatever it is, we're going down the road of injuring something we don't own. Our bodies are not our own. It's an illusion to say I can do whatever I want with my body. No, you can't. And because that lie was in place, we now have a lie that says, I can do whatever I want with a baby that happens to be inside of me. So, a murderous spirit in terms of how you view yourself and other people will translate into a society that decides an unwanted child is worthy of death, an unwanted disabled person is worthy of death, an unwanted elderly person is worthy of death.
0: Right. It really is a slippery slope there once we realize that um, that there's so many expressions of, of, of hating and killing and injuring ourselves or someone else. What about um, things like, you know, if, if somebody is depressed or has suicidal thoughts and then they go get medicine. Is that necessarily um, fixing it? Because sometimes, you know, when we think about mental health, I know that there's sometimes there's organic reasons for that, but sometimes the medicines are uh, are are more dangerous than the than the sickness, or original sickness. Would that exactly. be part of something that we have to consider too in the home?
1: Well, first of all, by the time you have your children at home, you're less likely to have anybody suggesting they go on Ritalin for their ADD, ADHD, ADXQYZ. I mean, they'll always come up with new syndromes. In many cases, it's a failure for the child to be disciplined properly and to then learn Mm -hmm. self-discipline. It's very, very rare that you find people who default to, well, this person can't learn because he's got this condition when those conditions are often fostered by the kind of environment in a lot of classrooms. And let's not forget that pharmaceutical companies make their money when people buy or are prescribed these particular drugs. So am I denying that there are times when someone can be depressed? No, not at all. But if we think that the first line of defense is to give them something to hide the symptom, because it's a symptom. And in many cases, it's a symptom of the consequences of their sin. And I realize that's a very fashionable way to look at it because, well, are you trying to tell me that everybody who is depressed is sinning? Well, guess what? all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if you don't start off with that premise and you have this wiggle room that says people aren't responsible for their actions. Mm-hmm. I mean, what makes killing yourself better than killing someone
0: else? Is it yeah, God's yeah. murder? Right. I mean, sometimes that is because uh, I mean, sometimes there are really organic reasons for, um, for someone having um, a depression. But there's many more times I believe that you're right. We're denying God. We are in sin. We're not cultivating thankfulness and um, recognizing His providence. That is often I think what leads us to um, to uh, depression. That our expectations of our life are not being met. So there's lots of ways in which that we indulge ourselves there. You know, we may go to meds, we may go to alcohol, we may go to pornography, we may, we may go to lots of other places to try and ease that symptom. And, and that's a form of killing ourselves. Certainly. And let's just take the whole area of health.
1: All right. If people aren't taught correctly in terms of what is food and what is junk and what is junk food, a lot of times from the time they're very young, they're building illness. You know, I think the idea is that cancer starts growing and maybe doesn't show up for 10 or 20 years. So if we don't bother to understand how food affects our health, if we don't bother to say, look, you know, it's, it's one thing to say that um, we should have our food be pleasant and taste good. But if we give ourselves overdoses of sugar, which quite frankly, are more addictive, I'm told, than opioids. Sugar has more of an addictive quality than an opioid does. That we're leading people to a situation where they will be depressed, maybe for organic reasons, or maybe they're not called on their sin when they're young and told what God requires. So you would expect people to feel guilt You would expect people to feel bad about what they do. That shows everybody that God has instilled in them an idea of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not that man doesn't know right and wrong. It's It's that we deny it. Then there's the moral aspect of it that says he can understand it fine, but he's going to do what he wants to do anyway. That's a moral issue. It's not an intellectual issue.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell us
1: more. Okay, so if you've ever listened to the pharmaceutical ads on television, which are oftentimes um, the, the commercial f- at and in terms of TV shows that are doctor shows or police shows or whatever it is, and if you have the sound off and you're just watching it, you would think this drug is very helpful and it'll make you feel good and it'll cure whatever ails you but if you turn on the voice and you listen you'll find out that in many cases that pharmaceutical will cause the same kinds of problems that you took the pharmaceutical for in the first place mm-hmm. so if you're taking medication for depression and you hear the the disclaimer that says may cause suicidal or homicidal thoughts why on earth would you take a medication for suicide and depression prevention that might cause suicidal or homicidal thoughts or one of the ways they protect themselves is to say do not take this drug if you are allergic to any of its ingredients it's hundreds of ingredients are you supposed to go and then go find out all the potential things that i could be allergic to
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right so when it comes right down to it if you expect people to be irresponsible, you train them to be irresponsible so that anytime they're they're sad, they'll go to something to satisfy that sadness, which is a form of idolatry because you're going to something other than God. Right? You're worshiping that right. feeling. Yeah. I, how I feel after I have my chocolate.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Right. How I feel after I have my vodka. How I feel mm-hmm. after I go out and find someone to love me. Mm -hmm. See, these are all violations of the previous commandments and where you start teaching children. This is when you see a manifestation of their sin and help them see which of God's commandments they're in violation of.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I see it's really important to, to have the, the, um, the, a more comprehensive understanding of what God is saying to us more than just don't, I mean, more than just don't kill. You know, like we think that's such a small, small thing when we do it so, so recklessly in so many ways and don't even recognize our violation. It's no wonder that we are sick and crazy and on, you know, addicted to all kinds of things. That's because we're not, we're not hearing what God says and obeying him and are, are suffering the consequences. Right. See,
1: if you want to find out what God approves of, go to the word of God. If you want to find out what God disapproves of, go to the word of God. Now, the sanctions in Scripture for certain things, including murder, is that the person or persons who commits that, that those crimes, forfeits his own life. God says so. So when you have a society that refuses to follow God's commands and doesn't take those people who have made these violations, I don't care if it's one time, in God's economy, one time is sufficient. Instead of saying, well, he only murdered once. Okay, how many times does he have to murder before you think it's appropriate to do things the way the creator of the entire universe said to do it?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Well, it's not just murder physically that brings that about. There are other crimes that God says are to be met with the death penalty. And as we go through the various um, commandments after this one, we're going to see that adultery, is is one of them and but that whole idea of adultery is much more than what we think it is. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of children who will not listen to their parents, right? And they grow up to not listen to their parents. The Bible calls them incorrigibles, and incorrigible is supposed to be removed from society so as to not pollute God's people. So we better get straight that it's to our peril if we do things outside of God's law. And the family and the home setting is where you drive that home. It's mm-hmm. the whole reason why statists do not want families to be homeschooled or to be educated in a Christian environment. Because the, the understanding is we must obey God rather than man. Mm-hmm. We must obey God rather
0: than our own feelings. Right. So, you know, what do you say? Like surely you're not saying that if I feel bad about something and I go um, sit down to the TV and a box of ice cream, you know, that, that I should be killed. But that the consequences of that are not, are, are not life giving. You know, that's not the direction God has for us. Can you, like, talk about that a little bit? Like, how do we, you know, reconcile that? Okay,
1: well, first of all, eating a whole gallon of ice cream is not a death penalty offense, as far as I know. However, the better question is, are you killing yourself by doing it? So are you on the road to doing it yourself? You see, when when you violate God's law the penalty comes on you whether or not you believe in God's law. It's like saying, you know what? I don't believe in rain. And so I'm going to go out in a hurricane and I'm not going to get wet. Well, that sounds great, except you don't control the rain any more than people control how God executes his judgment. Sometimes if the society isn't doing it, then the society is judged. That's why we start in the family and even if everybody else is not doing things God's way, as Joshua said, "As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't need a bunch of people agreeing with us to know that following God's law is right.
0: Okay, good. So, um, what are some of the um, some of the ways that we can? Uh, teach that to our children some really, you know, some real practical things like, um, you know, you have to eat vegetables. Okay, right? We have to eat our vegetables. We can't just eat skittles all day long and build health. So there's there's issues of health. There's issues of um, physical balance. What other ways? Um, And real, very, very practically, can we begin to teach our children to honor God and obey God in this commandment? By example.
1: For example, if our children aren't doing what we want we say, okay, if you don't do it, I say you won't get ice cream tonight. We're bribing them with something that isn't to be the basis on which they obey us. So a lot of people will bribe with food. They'll bribe with treats. And, and so the question is, what are we building up? What is it going to have to be later on that's mm-hmm. going to get the son or daughter to listen?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can't use the car. You can't go to the party. In other words, yes, there will be consequences for things, but we want to make sure what we're modeling is something is wrong because it's wrong, not because you won't get your
0: ice cream. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, then that brings up something else. If, if brother, if, if little brother, if big brother is not supposed to hit little brother, then where does spanking come at home?
1: Well, I would never recommend big brother spank little brother.
0: No. Right. But, you know, how do we say mom gets to mom or dad gets to, you know, hit, but brother doesn't get to hit. Explain that.
1: Okay. Mom and dad don't get to hit. If we call everything a hit and that they're angry and that's why. So when they're angry, they get to hit me. But when I'm angry, I don't get to hit someone else. If that's the basis on which what happens in the family, then you're going to have a family that deals with everything with physical force or physical you know, reactions. Right. Mom and dad establish the rules. Mom and dad explain these rules are in agreement with God's rules. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad let the child know, just like God let Adam and Eve know, and the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So consequences should be pronounced to children. And when they violate it, there's a whole toolbox of way in which you can correct a child, discipline a child, get the message across. Spanking is one of them. If that's your only go to tool, it's like going to a toolbox and deciding everything has to be dealt with with a hammer. Well, if you're trying to screw a nail in and you bang it, you might get it in the wall, but it won't do what the nail's supposed to do. So you have to use discernment and not react out of anger. You can be angry, but the Bible says, in your anger, sin not. So in our house, it was okay go to the room that you knew you had to go to if you were going to get the paddle. And mom and dad got a chance to compose ourselves. You know, sometimes the kid waited there a long time because <laughs> we we're going to make sure that we weren't angry in doing it. And then we got a lot of appeals going, I'm sorry, I, I won't do it again. It's like, okay, I get it, but this is the penalty. And then we talked about it afterwards. The purpose of the penalty was to bring restoration The purpose of the penalty wasn't to say, see, I got back at you. Mm. And that has to be differentiated early on. That's what you say when brothers are fighting with each other. One other thing I'd like to bring up, and it's how children play and the things children and the whole family in general watch.
0: Mm. How
1: many murders does everybody watch on a regular basis? Right, right, right. How much play is, okay, I'm the bad guy and I'm going to kill you, whatever mm-hmm. it is. I used to stop that kind of play and say, why are we doing that? You That's obviously right. are Go in here. Let's find something else for you to do. Clean mm-hmm. your room, clean the bathroom, do something. If we have to pretend that I'm killing you,
0: then how does that jive with thou shalt not kill? Right. Because if God tells us not to do it, then why are we entertaining ourselves there?
1: Right. Well, see, what kids will say is the bad guy. You say, okay, so you basically have the testimony of two witnesses that was brought before a judge, and it was adjudicated that this person committed a death penalty offense. Therefore, we will – ex. that's not how the kids are playing. No. They just decide who's the bad guy. And everybody seems to like to be the bad guy more than the good guy because, you see, the bad guy has more fun, you know, gets to run. So who, who knows? Right, right, right. Basic to that is like, what are we spending our time doing? How many murders do people see by the time they're, you know, adults? Mm-hmm. I, I, there, when we are talking about this now, just recently there was a, a gunman who went into a synagogue. And I saw the rabbi who was in charge of the synagogue being interviewed. And he said, at first when he heard the noise, he thought a coat rack had fallen down. But then pretty soon after that, he realized it was gunshots and he had never heard gunshots in his life. Well, he probably had if he had ever watched movies and he heard it. But one of the things that's certainly not true in movies is that by the time a gun is discharged and you happen to be in the room, probably deaf for a while, the likelihood if you're in an enclosed space, that that bullet goes, it's not going to go exactly where everybody plans for it to go. So there could be, you know, real damage to the home afterwards. You never see that in in film, right? So we have this idea that death isn't really death. And so this man was actually faced with watching seven people die in his congregation. And it was, it jarred him. But have we become desensitized to it because we see it so much and it's like, it's not a real big deal.
0: Right. Right. Well, Jesus said that if we have anger towards our brother, that we've committed murder in our hearts. So, so we have to recognize that this stuff doesn't, um, doesn't come out of nowhere. And, and one of the things we, that I encourage young moms to do is to think about something. It might look like this when they're two, or it might be fun, be able to label it fun play right now. But what is that going to look like when it's grown up? You know, this exactly anger exactly. and this play, when it grows up, and that's a real gun instead of a toy gun, it looks like murder. It looks like death.
1: Right. If you think about the first murder, physical murder in the Bible, it wasn't because Abel came up and spit at Cain. It was that Abel's sacrifice was received by God and Cain's wasn't. Mm-hmm. So who was, pain really angry at
0: he was really angry at God
1: right and God warned him he said sin is crouching at the door don't let it get the better of you so when we first sin in our heart and then we sin in our words sinning indeed isn't that far behind
0: true 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 true
1: so this is or a big thing
0: not-
1: I have to say when I teach biblical law, which I do on a regular basis, and we go through Dr. Rush Duny's, The Institutes of Biblical Law, by the time we get to this commandment, and there are like 20 sections, people are like, 20 sections? I mean, we could probably cover this in five, but he unearths an awful lot. And by the time you finish appreciating all the many facets of this, and looking at this commandment, In view of the previous ones and the ones that will follow you'll see that many offenses in the various commandments have to do with killing of some sort whether it's spiritual emotional physical familial culturally there's a lot of death going on when people don't follow God's word
0: Mm -hmm. right well you've given us a lot to think about it's very important and I, I appreciate that so Um, You know, again, if folks have any questions, comments and um, and suggested topics, we'd love to hear from them. And they can always go and um, study some more at the Teacher Training Institute at Calcedon. And um, is there anything else, you know, that you would um, recommend if somebody wanted to dig into this particular um, um, subject of the Fifth of the um, Sixth Commandment or all of them in general? Well, Aside
1: from the books we just referenced and like I think we've mentioned before, if you go to the Calcedon website, you can often hear lectures that correspond with the book. But I think a, a good exercise would be to just observe what goes on in your home, the kinds of things your kids are saying, the kinds of things that you're allowing them to watch and it's one thing to interpret what they see and help them figure it out. What made this wrong? What made this right? But a lot of people who just plant their children in front of uh, media, television, whatever it is, and they don't see what's be- the message being conveyed, this is where a lot of the impressions actually get stored, and it's important to have very hands-on parenting. So just observe the kinds of things that are being done. When your children are mad at each other, how do they react? And then use these as opportunities to unearth what's really there.
0: Right, right. Okay. Well, it's been a good half hour. Thank you yes, again. Because. As always, we'll be seeing you next week for commitment number seven.
1: Okie doke. See you then. And thank everybody for watching.
0: Thank you. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz and the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit the kingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.